0: The following program, Chicago's Weekend Wake-Up Call, is sponsored by the Digital Wellness Center and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management.
1: Welcome, everyone. Good morning, this episode of Understanding Digital Addiction with Dr. Mary, that's me, we're thrilled to talk about the intricate relationship between technology and our financial lives. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Dr. Mary Donahue, and joining me is our trusted associate producer, Richardson Amarte. Good morning, Rich.
2: Good morning. Yes, that's me. I'm your social producer, and today we're going to be talking about money.
1: Our favorite topic. (laughs) And we're going to delve into each and every aspect of money in the digital age. Now, you might be wondering why we're discussing money on a show about digital addiction. Well, the truth is our smartphones and digital devices play a significant role in how we manage our finances, spend, save, and even invest. In today's world, many of our financial transactions happen through apps and websites, often making our phones our financial companions. Now, I was hacked recently, Richardson, and I think that's what made me think of this. I don't know about you, like what do you think?
2: That's very scary, but it's kind of true because I don't even go to the bank myself. I do all my finances through my phone, which I don't really think about the, the risk of getting hacked. But when I hear it happen, that brings a fear to, 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 to me because I use, I'm on my devices all the time.
1: Well, today, if I may, I'm going to give the number for the first time, Rich. And listeners, we want you to tell us what angers you about money, what you can't manage about money, and even if you just want to tell us a funny money story, call us or text us at 773-763-9278. That's 773-763-9278. And by the way, we're not going to be alone today. Richardson's favorite auntie is here. However, she does not want to say hello yet. (laughs) She will say hello. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, Auntie Trish has joined the show. Yay, Auntie Trish. Hello, everybody. And Trish. Bye, hi, hi. How, how fun is it to talk about money on a Saturday?
0: Yeah, that's what we
1: all want to do, right? But joining us is a dear friend of mine whose wife was one of my first students when I was in my dissertation. He probably drives him crazy that I tell that story every time I bring him on, but it's Puya Fez from TD Bank. Puya is a seasoned expert, and by seasoned, I mean he's dealt with money globally. This man is brilliant. And he's here to shed light on how technology has transformed the way we think about and interact with money. So, as we navigate through this episode with Auntie Trish, with Puya, with Richardson, we're going to start to explore the psychology and neuroscience behind all our financial decisions. So, we're going to discuss practical strategies for achieving financial wellness in the digital age, sit back, relax, and get ready for an insightful and thought-provoking conversation. And this little wee break of a binaural beat is going to give me a chance to catch my breath because, as listeners know, I usually run before the show. And this morning, I was running and actually forgot I had to be on. So I'm puffing like crazy, (laughs) and I'm looking forward to a 30-second binaural beat to help us reset our minds. Devin, take it away.
0: Welcome back
1: to Understanding Digital Addiction with Dr. Mary. In this segment, we'll dive deep into the fascinating world of the neuroscience of money. Money has a profound effect on our lives. It's had a profound effect since the beginning of time, since we started being a civilization. We've always started trading something. If we go back in time, people talk about Cleopatra being the last pharaoh, all of these things. We have money from that time. And Cleopatra's picture was on that money. And she had to approve that money. That's how powerful money was. It had a pharaoh on it. And one of the things we know is it stirs up strong emotions, whether you have a lot of it whether you have none of it. Trish and I had a small party last night, and we all talked about money. And it was a really interesting way of looking at money. What's enough? What's too little? What's too much? But one of the things we didn't talk about with Uncle Al and Patrick was how does our brain react when we handle money or make financial choices. Remember, feel free to call and text us at 773-763-9278 to help us unravel this mystery. We are joined by my dear friend Puya who's go- who is from TD Bank but is also a global financial expert. Good morning, Puya.
3: Dr. Mary, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: And Puya, I said your name wrong, didn't
3: I? I'm, I'm happy with the way you did it. All good. Okay.
1: Thank you. <laughs> All right. You no, know, I don't want to screw up a name. I hate that. But we are so happy, and so let's just set the stage. What? Let me explain what, or understand what is going on in our heads, Puya. Like you deal with this every day. During the crash a couple years ago, I remember, or was it last summer? Whenever. The stock market crashed. I remember the intense stress you were under because you cared so much for what your clients were going through. Why do our emotions often run high when it comes to finances?
3: Well, Dr. Mary, you know, past uh, few years have been challenging to stay the least. um, Our our brains are just wired to react to money um, because of its significance in our daily lives. You know, our security, comfort. Um, even power, in some sense, uh, comes from money, and when we handle money or you know face challenging financial decisions, several brain regions in our um, sort of had come into play, including the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for decision making and impulse control. It's this part of our brain that just helps us budget and plan for the future, and when we <laughs> want to do either of those two things. Money is the first thing that that
2: uh, comes uh, front and center. Um, that's fascinating, Puya. I'm sure our listeners are curious about how digital technology influences our neuro neuro um, dance with money. Are there any specific ways our phones and digital device devices impact our brain, our brain's relationship with finances? As I do, as I always <laughs> bank with my phone. I don't really go to like. Um, what's it called, the the branches to to do my financial stuff.
3: Absolutely, Richardson. I mean, the convenience of digital banking within the past decade, it's just ramped up uh, continuously. And if you think about how much all these um, banking apps and payment apps have changed the way we perceive and interact with money, it's astonishing, the immediacy of digital transactions they can trigger a dopamine response in our brains very similar to what we uh, discussed earlier in the show and this can lead to impulsive spending or even addiction like behaviors uh, when it comes to checking our bank balances investment portfolios dr mary referred to past few years being challenging you know um, in, in, in our role we we have a lot of clients who spend um, multiple hours in a day checking up on their portfolios, looking at the performance of their funds, stressing about it, uh, or when the markets are up, feeling happy about it. But all these ups and downs are continuously affecting our daily lives and, uh, like you said, our brain's relationship with our finances.
1: I don't think we've ever had as much access to our financial information that we have today. And, um, and we can talk about this another time, but in my new book, we talk a lot about this in reference to gambling. And, you know, for me, money can be a huge stressor if I don't have too much, if I don't have enough, if I have bills coming up. Like, it, it wears you down physically and mentally. So... Just let me know, like, where is this instant gratification of checking our financial status? Where, in your opinion, does this become addictive?
3: Um, I think it's essential to recognize these digital influences on our financial well-being, just like identifying any... Uh, other external factor that impact uh, our day-to-day, day-to-day lives, this is just as essential to identify and uh, recognize uh, as and when it starts to impact uh, the way uh, we feel on a daily basis. And once we have identified um, these stressors and these influences, it's important to start to find ways to develop a healthy relationship um, with money in this Very, very digital age.
1: Okay, I have to ask the question before Richardson does. (laughs) What what is a healthy relationship? Like, how do you, as somebody who's always been brilliant with money, since before you started working, when you were an undergraduate, you were brilliant with money, and before your MBA, like, what do you consider good mental health with money? Because it's probably different than what I consider. I consider not thinking about it good mental health, which is not good for a professional psychologist to say.
3: <laughs> um, great question. To me, it's all about defining boundaries. Just like anything else, um, if you have clear boundaries um, around our relationship with our finances we start to react to its ups and downs in a much more coherent and pre-planned way. Um, and and there are many ways we can go about uh, approaching this, but, but in my professional experience, having a plan, having a budget, having some sense as to where this money has come from, where it's going, and uh, why it is, how much it is, uh, it, it gives you that that sense of calmness when you're dealing with uh, the day to-day ups and downs of it. So um, it's it's all about drawing those lines uh, within a well-constructed framework.
2: I love that. That, as you were talking about um, and explaining the ups and downs of the, our emotions when we when we look at our finances, and as Dr. Mary pointed out, the, the ease, how easy it is to look at our finances, it's, it sounds so exhausting. <laughs> like, if I, if I was investing I saw one minute, oh, I'm down, I'll, I'll be a little scared, and then another minute, it's up. I don't know how fast, invest, like, stocks goes up and down. I, I, I don't really do too much investing. But that sounds really, really exhausting. And as you pointed out, setting a boundary. And Dr. Mary asked a great question and she beat me to it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: we save but I too appreciate, much like now. <laughs> I, know, I appreciate
2: you asking because this is great insight. Um, and to our wonderful listeners, I wanted to um, invite um, you all to share your thoughts on money. Uh, Remember, feel free to call or text us at 773-763-9278.
1: And Richardson, you know, it's really funny that you mentioned that, that you would be checking this, you would be checking that. This is nothing new for the brain. Um, Back in the 19, I guess, when was the crash, Puya, 1929, the big crash where people jumped off buildings in New York and Chicago because they felt that they had lost all their money. Um, Yes, yes. Like, if we look at money as insight into our culture, money drives lives, it drives deaths, it also drives economy, it drives lies, it drives books. Think about money as if an alien force was to come down and look at money, then they would equate immediately money and power. And part of me worries because does that mean we're losing intelligence as a powerful format of defining ourselves? Is it all just about money and power? I mean, that's a question for our listeners. I'm, I'm very interested in that. Um, as we go to the next segment, which I'd love to delve deeper into the intersection of money and the human brain, I'd like to take a little wee look at and talk about my new book that's coming out in March. Um, it'll be on Amazon and in bookstores and all of those kinds of things. But it's a storybook, and it's the story of my brother's addiction to gambling. And why that's important is because none of us knew until he was facing losing a lot of money. And the physical side of how his body reacted that evening during Thanksgiving was a huge aha moment for me. And my, my husband and I remember checking on him, thinking he was going to have a stroke or a heart attack. He lost his color. He was breathing heavy. It was it, fascinating. You know, as a scientist, I was like, oh, what's going to happen next? But as a sister, I was like, should I call 911? What am I going to do? And as we move into the next segment, I'd like to share a little interesting data that I discovered based on that. On average... People spend three hours and 15 minutes on their phone each day and check them anywhere between 58 and 2,100 times a day. They have become an extension to ourselves. 75% of Americans admit to being addicted to their phone. And think about how much money we spend on our phone. I was talking to someone on Thursday in a business meeting, and he doesn't gamble, but his addiction is when he's tired. He orders things on Amazon, and sometimes things show up at his house the next morning, and he's like, wait, what? Did I order this? I want you to think about if these phones were drugs or alcohol, there would be a outcry for intervention. And yet, because digital addiction goes unchecked, it impacts our mental and physical health. And that's what I'd like to talk about in this segment. Let's really begin to understand that. Listeners, some of you may have experienced it. And I I did. There's been times when I have been so stressed about money, I can't even breathe. All I can think about, and I know the signs of what's causing stress. And I'd like to welcome Aunt Trish back to the to the call for this, because I think, you know, she has been amazing throughout our entire history. Aunt Trish and I have known each other
0: Decades. for a while. Decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's all we're going to say now. That's our whole new thing. <laughs> And um, we're going to talk about this whole idea of how our brains can work against our financial well-being. And, you know, I think, Rich, that's a really interesting place to start. Whether you're 15, whether you're 50, or whether you're even 70, you have to begin to understand money. And I think our relationships with money
0: begin when we're kids. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we grew up, yeah, we heard a lot of, well, we can't do that. We can't afford that. It was money became a control, but it also became um, a fear. Yeah. And, and I know that when I stopped saying that to my kids, instead changing the narrative to well, we're not going to invest in that, or we're, we're not going to do, we choose not to invest in that rather than we can't afford it. My relationship, how I spoke to myself about money, changed. But now, as you said, everything is digital. And how, if you're not using digital banking, you're less than. If you're using it too much, you're more than. It it, it has become something that has become a burden rather than something that's a privilege, whether you have too much or not enough.
1: And what you're talking about, and what you were talking about as a parent, and again, I'm always interested in how people look at parenting, is that emotional impact of parenting. As an entrepreneur, I've had um, months or years when I've had lots of money. And my daughter's experienced years when there's been nothing in the house to eat but oatmeal. Hmm. That's it, oatmeal period end of conversation and so one of the things we have to start looking at is the emotional impact and it's really crucial to begin to understand and I don't know Richardson if you've ever experienced it or Pooja if you've ever experienced this how our emotions can lead us astray when it comes to managing our money have have either of you experienced this? Uh, I don't know about you Richardson oh, go ahead
3: No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Um, So in in my line of work, um, emotions are a huge part of uh, the results uh, and the results-driven business that we're in. Um, And and, uh, it it involves uh, a lot of my conversations on a daily basis with my clients who are either um, too happy about the market and want to... um, you know, dedicate more of their resources to it, or they have panicked by something that has happened and would like to pull back and, and uh, take all their investments yeah. out. Uh, so, you know, you you see this on it on a daily basis, where emotions rule our decision making when it comes to finances and money. That could be a positive thing, that could be a negative thing, and and it's different for each person. Um, but it's again. Uh, you know, we talked about different ways to uh, draw a boundary between uh, us and money and develop healthy habits. It starts by developing a healthy relationship with money.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rich, uh, any uh, thoughts?
2: Yeah. Um, and Trish, actually, I love what you said about um, the wording and the phrasing you use. I've never thought about that, or even it's never crossed my mind to say, like, hey, I wouldn't want to invest in this um, my my mindset has kind of always been in a scarcity mindset I'm always trying to hoard it which affects um, I guess the, the way I live it's um, that fear of like oh shoot I wouldn't have enough money to do this to do this to do this but not really understanding um, the abundance that I already have in not money but be able to do it but it kinda I have this question where like why do does that money or why does that thought have such a heavy grip on people on on our minds and on our our physical well-being how does that come about
1: well and that's the neuroscience of money and I think we need to start talking to our kids about this. If our kids are old enough to be on a phone, they're old enough to begin to understand how their brains work. And our brains are wired, like they're wired to identify threats. That's what fight or flight is all about. And it's, you know, we have dopamine in our brain, which seeks pleasure. If it gets too high, we make bad decisions. If it gets too low, we make no decisions, which in Puya's world is horrible. So we really want to start to think about that. But what happens is what you just named, Richardson, which we've all experienced, the fear of scarcity, is deeply rooted in evolution. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. If we weren't aware of scarcity, we wouldn't have created farms. We wouldn't have started domesticating cows. We wouldn't have ended up building houses or bureaucracies or any of those things. We always have to go back to history to understand what's happening today and look to what's happening in the future.
0: Um, go ahead. Can I ask you a question? So yeah. I agree 100%. I mean, we, we are part of our family history, yep. and it wasn't too long ago that a lot of our, our ancestors... Had nothing. Yeah. And we are definitely the blessed well, we're generation. Irish. We're Irish. <laughs> the blessed generation. So how do we take that that scarcity that keeps us alive, right, that keeps this generation going, but create that healthy relationship? And I think, uh, Richardson, you said the word abundancy and that the blessing of abundancy because that is the truth how do we take those two and create that healthy mindset of balance of fear and scarcity which keeps us alive but also looking to the abundance so that we can welcome more of it into our lives
1: you have to go back to behavior modification. And that's what we're, you know, we always, we begin to start talking about this. And um, Richard, like I've created a little, if anybody ever wants it, I've created some parenting guidelines for people so that their children grow up understanding money in a healthy way. To answer your question, it's behavior modification. So, for example, if you earn a dollar and you take that dollar and you put 10 cents of that dollar in a jar. You see 10 cents in a jar the first time you do it. It's fine, your kids see 10 cents in a jar while you do it. And then you do something else, and you put 10 cents in a jar. And then you begin to create three jars. Even in your life, you can create these mental three jars. And a lot of this work was pioneered by Neil Godfrey out of New York. She's a brilliant, brilliant finance person. But the first jar, you put 10 cents in for fun. The next jar, you put 10 cents in for all that important stuff, food, shelter. Maybe you put 25 cents in that dollar. And the other jar, you put towards paying down your debt, if you have debt, or you put it into savings. And what you begin to see is using three of your senses. As the pennies go in that may represent dollars, you start to see that build up. And you start to see a reflection of your action. And you see, that's the problem with dealing with money digitally. Unlike when we used to have, which isn't safe, don't do this, but we used to have money in our houses. We could see the money. We can't see the money. And so what I'm advocating is get off digital And start to create three little jars, even with pennies or dimes or nickels, so you begin to understand the value of what you're doing. Another way to do this is draw on your fridge, draw in your bedroom, draw on your bathroom. Um, Most people don't know um, the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People started off as a pauper, and he would draw on his bathroom mirror his success lines and one of his success lines was money and how he handled it and what he did so those are things that we really need to start thinking about how to modify our behavior and then we begin to modify our speech into abundance which is darn it i can't do this versus wow i'm gonna have to wait a week to do
0: this What's the worst that's going to happen if I wait a week? Or the language of I get to, not I have to go to work. I get to go to work. Yeah. And those little tiny words change everything. Yep. And so you
1: have, like, unfortunately, digital is designed to control you. You have to start controlling digital. And that is the only way you're going to balance your mental health and your emotions about money about relationships, and about self. And these are things that we really need to start talking about. One of the things that I'd like to explore on a future show is the idea of spirituality through digital. Mm -hmm. And spirituality isn't, you know, going to a certain church or not going to a church. It's none of those things. I totally believe in God, 100%. I'll say it out loud. I'm great. I hate his management team. That's where the issue is. And so we need to talk a little bit another time about this idea of our personal spirituality. Um, and so recognize that your brains can work for you and against you is the first step that we really want to begin to look at. I hope that makes sense. We should probably talk a little bit about budgeting and how to create a visual budget um, for your brain. So the best way to modify your behavior is to use three senses, tactile, visual and auditory. And so if you create a budget, what you just said, like, we say your word. Let's say you want to say for, oh, I don't know, Richardson, a wedding and <laughs> a baby, a, a car. Let's say for the wedding.
2: <laughs> baby, <Maybe> not now.
1: For <laughs> the yeah, baby. And then um, we start focusing on the wedding. Like the idea is this is what I am saving for. Which means if you have a for, you have to have a no. Like you can't...
0: Your purpose and your passion. Yeah. You put it where it belongs. Action, reaction.
1: Yeah. And that's the way you begin to create a budget is the same way you create goals. I'd be interested in Puya's ideas on this. Like we need to understand that the technology is drawn in. For example... Um, certain ads on I saw them on Instagram on Amazon on all these things make you think you can't live without something you know for a woman it's like walking into a drugstore like it's like oh my god all this makeup I love it or a man walking you know I know this sounds sexist but whatever like uh, my husband walks into a a video store a video, to buy movies. CDs. Right, right CDs. Like, or the used variety, what is it, where, where you buy used stores, like the Goodwill. And all Village. Those, yeah, all of those different, like, yeah. buy CDs. We don't have a CD player, but it gives him great joy, and he buys them for 10 cents. Like, mm-hmm. think of those things that are fun, or going to, like,
0: you know, going, antiquing used to be a f- passionate but I thing. think it's just a sense of control, yeah. right? And so controlling your money, in a way, as you said, Mary, with the three- senses is brilliant but when you have control you don't have fear and when you use it maybe the digital aspect in the right way and as you said locking in that knowledge that behavior through the three senses that's giving yourself control i love that that's fantastic the biggest trend we're going to start seeing in 2025
1: Mm. is people realizing the harm that digital is doing to them i can i can guarantee it's, it's made our lives too accessible too easy, and all of us are slipping into depression. Two out of three Americans rate their mental health as poor. Two out of three people, and the only correlation... I can make, and I'd like to put forward a theory, is because we're spending too much time on our phones. Now, people, it's funny, people are probably listening to us on their phones. They're doing those things on their phones. But if you're listening to us, I hope you're walking. I hope you're hugging your kid or your dog or feeding your goldfish or looking out a window or appreciating the beauty of today, of the lake, of anything. But we're not doing that because our heads are down. And think about what that does to you physically. When you put your head down, it's harder to breathe. So, go, a, go ahead. Go go.
2: Um, what about the people who use that their digital to de stress? So, for example, I know some people who would go home and they would go on their mobile games, and on these mobile games, there's little small ads for like really really cheap. Um, stupid things for the games and so if they'll be like oh I'll just pay a dollar for this how can you find that control to not just only spend a dollar because you see that it's such a small amount uh, how can you turn that from have that control from not overspending and building that dollar to let's say a hundred dollars or spending that much or it can even relate to gambling too or like yeah. online bet- betting and all that how can you have that control to stop well, it's time dishes
1: You know, I I study this. I know Puya studied this in his MBA, and jump in anytime, Puya. Like Trish and I could talk forever, but um, and yeah. Rich <laughs> just is smart and jumps in. But the thing is, it's start building into those controls. Um, So my brother ended up using an app called FanDuel, and in that FanDuel app, he was able. Is it? It's an app. It's it's a it's, it's a gambling app, and it has you set daily limits. And with his partner, after this experience, his physical meltdown, he started setting those. And the app keeps him to it, and that gives his partner Erin. She has way more comfort in, in that now. And what's interesting is some of those games don't have that. Um, so you have to create your own. For example, create a special account for that on in your bank. And, Puya, you, you could tell someone how easy this is to do. And put in, you know, your week's worth of money to buy. Like if you're playing the farm game, I don't know if that's still a game, but I know one of no. my <laughs> students had a real problem with it yeah. and ended up doing exactly what you said, like $100 a night to buy sheep and stuff. Yeah. And so... I get it because you're sad. A thing, though, that most people don't know is when you're feeling like that and you feel you have to stay on your phone, don't play a game. Do a little micro-break. We've talked about micro-breaks. Or watch an episode that you've seen before of your favorite show, your favorite movie, your favorite YouTube video, and watch it over and over and over again. And what you'll find is your addiction is lowered. Your brain craves that. That's why you go back to old movies that you like. Um, So, Puya, any other ideas
3: on this? Um, I've been really enjoying this conversation on the back and forth. Um, And, and, uh, Mary, the idea that you described around the three jars and how it impacts your sensory um, sort of uh, areas in your brain, when you uh, see these scents going into the jars, you touch them, you see them, you feel it, um, that's what we're missing in this digital age. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's that's the key difference. Uh, as you were describing that, in my mind, I was going, well, that's a budget, that's a budget, that's a budget. But when you said you can see it, touch it, feel it, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's the difference with what I would typically in a day-to-day life refer to as a budget. That's the missing piece. Uh, because we can create a budget on computer, but at the end of the day, a lot of times it becomes... Uh, an Excel sheet, one amongst probably a hundred other Excel sheets on our computers and and phones. And it just sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Um, mm-hmm. So my only idea that um, has practically worked and has uh, sort of stayed through the test of time is to have some sort of a support system uh, around developing these healthy habits, around uh, developing these uh, budgetary constraints for ourselves uh, to discipline our spending, to discipline our uh, habits around uh, the use uh, of, of uh, this time to, to to be on these digital platforms and look at money. And, and that is by the form of either family members who could help you with this, uh, a professional like a financial planner, a financial advisor uh, that you trust that sets these budgets for you has regular touch points with you, and um, you, you, in many ways you feel sort of accountable towards that back and forth in that plan uh, that you have put together. What I oftentimes do with my clients uh, is instead of giving them the presentation over a monitor, for instance, I, I tend to print this entirety of this 40 page long plan and have them in front of them in paper. And um go go through the entire plan and I have them take it away with them and keep it somewhere close by. that shows to them from time to time the impact of the decisions they make, good or bad and um, so it gives us food for thought the next time we meet. So these types of ongoing interactions with a professional uh, can go a long way in in um, taking the full digital impact of, of that, Relationship we develop with money and and put some um, sort of human touch, if you will, uh, into that relationship.
1: I love what you said, but I think there's there's also something really interesting about what you just said. And we, I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but we've definitely talked on it on another platform. I was speaking at is the work from home aspect of things. And as leaders, both Trish and I are CEOs of companies. It's really hard when your employees are invisible and you don't know what you're paying for. I mean, you see the work done.
0: It's still, it's again, it's that word of control and being comfortable with your level of control and finding a way that you feel as you see the jars yeah. as you see your employees you know back in the day when we all used to sit around the the, the boardroom table kind of thing it, it's finding a way to feel like you you have things under control or in control yeah. you know and that's the hard part and and again uh, do you use <clears throat> do you use digital or do you just as Puya says you know it's personal you make it personal again
1: that's i think we have to start making things personal again like i miss the humanity of relationships and covid stole that and i think it's something we need to to start stealing back and i think part of the problem with our money is like we were hugely negative negatively impacted with covid we're still paying thousands of dollars to recover from the money we lost because the economy was shut down and you know, I think we still have like forty thousand dollars left to pay. That's a but lot it's also of freaking the shift money. Of
0: everybody's yeah. men- uh, their, their, their mental state, as well as how they, how other people are looking at the world, how the economy is running, how people are spending, not spending, yeah. where they're putting their their investment. All that has changed, and it's hard to navigate the world when, as you said, Mary, sometimes we have to look back at history. Yeah. But we really don't have anything. That's like this, that has happened to go, okay, remember when? Oh, we actually do. Okay. But
1: we don't remember it in our lifetime. It was New York. New York was shut down for three years, New York was emptied for three years. And how they came back was very interesting, but how Europe did it was even more interesting. Europe had to shut down. Um, During their COVID, it was the Black Plague. But all industries shut down. Like, there are shop owners that I look to that I read about in history that I'm like, oh, okay, is that how they dealt with it? Is that how they kept their business? Um, But what's super interesting about what Puya said, you said, Richardson said, look at the emotion we all feel when we're talking about money and and people play on that. So that's something else I'd like to remind people of is people since the beginning of time have used money as an emotional trigger to get you to do things you don't want to do and just put that out there. And I think it's something we need to talk about. We just had someone text in that they struggle um, with impulsive spending when they see a tempting offer understand that someone is designed they've used the words they've used the phrasing they've used the pictures to do that so you have to begin to trigger your brain to resist these urges and the best way to do that is to start making a joke or a puzzle out of it so what I do is I begin to look at really does that girl with that hair really look like that How else can we find, where else can we find them? Is this all made up? Is this true? And as your brain begins to see the inconsistencies in what they're saying. So for example, recently in a poll that our mayor put out, she said one third of the people want X, Y, and Z. Okay. So if one third of the people, people want it, two thirds don't want it. So don't do it. That's what majority rule means. But she was trying to sway people's opinions using numbers. But I want you, as the brilliant listeners you are, to start saying, yeah, I'm kind of thinking you're not telling me the truth when you say one third. That sounds like a great number. Two thirds is better. And think about it this way. If you have trouble with fractions like myself and my daughter, if you only get, if you get one third of a chocolate bar, would you be happier if you had two-thirds of that chocolate bar? The answer is, I want two-thirds of that chocolate bar. And so there we go. Like, start looking at what they're doing. For example, um, and this was used with Trident gum. Four out of five dentists prefer Trident gum. Well, maybe they had five dentists in a room, and four of them were given $20 to say, I like Trident gum. So we have to begin to question what people are saying. Now, I'm not saying that that's what Trident did. I have no idea what Trident did. I haven't looked at the research. But for my entire life, I remember, four out of five dentists preferred. And so let's think about these things. You were given a brain. Let's start to use it. Let's not let digital take its control. Um, here's another call that we're seeing is, um, uh, Puya. this is for you. I had a significant windfall for an inheritance, but I find it challenging to manage the sudden increase in wealth. It's as if my brain is overwhelmed. What should I do? And don't be like Dr. Mary. (laughs) So give everybody else advice and put it into your business.
3: (sighs) Um this is a common one, and uh you know we we are in the midst of a uh, significant intergenerational wealth transfer uh in the world uh, that we are in right now, and more and more of us are going to face this new challenge and um it is very, very important that we have uh a good support group or a a, a support program that can look after um, these types of questions for us. Uh, You need a long-term plan. So uh, this plan can be generated through uh, family members if that's what you feel more comfortable with or it can be generated through a professional uh, if if that's what you're uh, more comfortable with. And um, I I would um, seriously consider interviewing a few financial experts uh, and and find who you're more comfortable with, whose style do you prefer? And uh, once you've chosen that person, to sit down, create a long-term plan, put in place uh, a workable budget through which you can achieve a few financial milestones that perhaps you've been putting off for years and also um, sort of ensure some measure of uh, stability uh, for the long term.
1: And make sure you build in some fun.
0: Right? It's a gift. It's Absolutely. a gift.
3: Go oh, 100%. And, and that's what I mean by financial milestones. You know, oftentimes oh, when yeah. we talk about uh, retirement, oh. uh, for instance, one of the first things I hear is, I want to travel twice a year. And I want $10,000 to do it. And, you know, that, that's the fun. And that's something many of us work 30, 40 years, hoping one day we'll be able to do. And uh, in in this particular case, this listener has uh, been fortunate enough to get a jump start on on, um, such milestones, so might as well build it into the plan.
1: So here's another question, which I like a lot. I've been diligently saving for years, but I still feel stressed about my financial future. Why is my brain fixated on uncertainty? And this was sent to me after I posted that uh, newsletter of mine on LinkedIn. And I can totally identify with this in some ways. Most listeners know that I've had a heart attack, almost died in an ambulance, and so my relationship with money is totally different because the last thing that I was thinking about when I was in an ambulance was sure as hell not if I earned enough money or not, or if I had enough money in the bank, or did I need more money in the bank? I got to be totally honest with you. My mind was on my fa- my husband, my daughter, and our trip to Florida. <laughs> Look, that's what I was thinking about. And so... Um, what you need to do is maybe take a little bit of that almost died mentality and say, okay, it's not not the be-all and end-all of our lives. Uncertainty is a common source of stress. But please tell me where there's certainty in the world. Like, for example, if you're looking at waves on a beach, is it certain that the waves are going to come in exactly the same time every time? No, but the certainty is the water is going to move. So no matter what happens, you're going to have an opportunity to earn money. Now, it may not be the way you want to earn it. I have cleaned stores. I have cleaned offices. I have cleaned bathrooms. Yeah, is that the way I want to use my education? No. But does it give me money to pay the rent? Yes. Understand that all of that comes from what I was talking about earlier, that fight or flight, and it's learning to manage that fight or flight, and be proud that you're managing that fight or flight. Be proud that you're saying, okay, I'm going to go to work for an office cleaner. I'm going to do something like this. There is no sense of any of that. That's your brain tricking you into fight or flight for you saying, no, I can't do that. Puyat, any other ideas for people who feel they've been saving diligently be, besides my, hey, let's create a visual of where we've come from, like a path? What, what do you do with people who say, I've been saving diligently for years?
3: My first question is usually, for what? So <laughs> a lot of people say, I've been saving diligently. But what have you been saving for? And I think that's where the uncertainty comes from. Because once you know what you're saving for then that's the first question. And then you can move on to the next one being, how much do I need? And all of these little questions culminate in in, um, what would probably make me sound like a broken record, but a plan. Uh, A plan will will help bring those future uncertainties to the now. And I, I really firmly believe the ability to live in the now is an art. Uh, is an art that can be helped uh, to be achieved by some tools such as uh, a plan. A plan can bring future events into the now. They can put it in front of you in a more certain way that our brains are wired to appreciate. And um, it's, it's all a practice of mindfulness. We, we need to uh, be able to capture uh, all the different elements in our lives in in some form of a coherent way, and and oftentimes uh, my best answer for all of these types of uh, challenges uh, is to have a plan in place, a plan for contingencies, a plan for safety, a plan for a future um, that is fun, is uncertain, and that's okay.
0: You know, it's funny. It's all about creating a vision for your life, and when you have the why, the how falls into place. Mm -hmm. So, just having a vision for your money, for your life, for your family, for your business is so important. And you can also struggle to have that vision too. Like you might know not know what
1: you want. Sorry, Richie, I jump. I jumped in front of you. Go, go, go.
2: I was just gonna say, I love those words. They're very sharp words. For what (laughs) um, I. I think this is just me but um if I have a a plan sometimes it's not a long-term plan but a short-term plan or a short-term goal and then when I achieve that goal I'm like okay well I'm saving but I never ask myself for what (laughs) so I like that I like that just turning that into a plan that I can keep putting something aside and and enjoy to enjoy my life and yeah, I love
1: that. So here's a challenge for Trish, Puya, and Richardson. Why don't you get together and vision money with Trish, plan money with Puya, and come back and tell us how it's going in in six months and give us checkups and then actually start doing some report like reports on it on LinkedIn, some updates, call it mindfulness money. Because I think there's so many people that are struggling right now. I, and, you know, we'll sponsor it. it. It's all part of digital wellness and understanding how to use your phone, understanding how to create a plan, understanding even what a plan is. I'm, I'm a little different, but that's my personality in terms of planning for money. So um, I, I obsess too much about investing in my business, which I don't think people should do.
0: But don't you think, too, going back to where we've been in the last... Four years through pandemic and shutdowns and everything I think people have lost their ability to dream and to feel that they are safe and that's funny how it's reflecting in some of the questions that are coming up and we didn't get told right and the answers are clear the answers are really clear I mean Puglia put it perfectly it's about creating your own certainty and knowing what you want from life and what makes you happy.
1: Well, I still think your idea of a vision, Puya's planning, and Rich, I think you are in the perfect position as a young man who saved a lot of freaking money for his engagement ring. Mm-hmm. Should I think We should call it mindfulness money and start reporting on it at the Digital Wellness Center. I think there's our new goal. Do you guys agree? Sure.
3: I agree. Love it.
1: Great. I love Puya, Love it. It's good. I'm pretty sure Devin's going to start playing our music real soon before we start talking about our next episode and where we're going with this. But I really do think that we should begin to encourage people to dream a little bit more about where you want to go. And they can be simple dreams. They can be complicated dreams. They can be anything. But do create a dream. You know, they used to call it vision boarding. Maybe they still do. And that's a lot of work. But another way to do it is just go for a walk. Get off your phones. Have a great week, everyone. You well.
0: The preceding program, Chicago's Weekend Wake-Up Call, was sponsored by the Digital Wellness Center and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of NewsWeb Radio Company or its management.